welcome to another episode of Unleash Love. My name is Clemel Young, and I'm your host. Today, I'll be speaking with John Wang. John is one of the brightest, kindest individuals I know. He is truly one of the rare people you meet in life. Selfless in every good sense of the word, driven towards greatness, and humble in his accomplishments. This episode is more of a mixed bag discussion with some very powerful conversations on topics including but not limited to personality tests, the elusive distinction between kindness and niceness, what the movie Jerry Maguire got wrong, the shortcomings of the pickup industry, and relationship housekeeping. I'm excited for you to hear our talk, and if you like it and find it valuable, please leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts to show your support. And without further ado, let's begin. What? <laughs> it is such waste. It is so nice. it's, it's wasted on me. Um, uh, my, my, my buddy who was a, a skier, like a professional skier, was basically like, look, if you're going to invest in a pair of boots, like, yes, you can get like a $600 pair, but you might as well go for some that'll last you for the rest yeah. of your life. And nothing is better than that's custom motor. So I was like, okay. And I was like, are you sure? Because I feel a little bit like, you know, the the uh, <laughs> the, the douchebag who buys the uh, the off-road, yeah, right you know, like Jeep to drive to the mall right now. <laughs> yeah, the whole gym set. And you, know, you don't go to the you gym. You have the fancy, you know, like the Range Rover that can go off-road and like, I'm just taking kids to soccer camp, you know? <laughs> Jeez, but they must feel great. Do they feel it does great? like it is honestly probably one of the most comfortable best it is the most best fitted pair of boots i've ever worn i, I I'm, I'm starting to wonder like can i just wear these like at home as a pair of slippers you know? like, <laughs> yeah, just to get more use out of them be so that's been my weekend yeah how's how's your how's your uh, your weekend been so far i mean it, it it's like well i had a date yesterday uh, oh nice it was good congrats yeah, I'm starting to get like to the point now where, you know, because of lockdown and everything, it's, uh, it's difficult because you, you, you can't like, I don't think it's easy to slowly get to know someone uh, at the moment because you aren't, well, especially when you're in lockdown, you know, you're not really supposed to be uh, mixing with other households here in the UK, right. That's the whole deal. So dating is, is, is a lot more difficult and especially it's hard to meet people because you, everyone's wearing masks or you're a bit creepy. If you if you start kind of flirting with someone, yeah. right. It's kind of weird. It's a weird time uh, for relation, for making relationships. It's, it's a, it's an, it's a testing time for existing relationships. And um, yeah, so, so I had a date yesterday Mm-hmm. And then I, um, and then on Monday, oh, sorry, excuse me. It is Monday. I'm in a time warp. Monday today, I, I, I have to launch some, some new campaigns for my agency. So I've been just really, really, uh, you know, hitting it hard with the, you know, the work over the weekend. So I haven't really had a weekend, mm-hmm. bro, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel like that's the case for so many people right now. You know, yeah. that's the case of so many of us right now. It's just like, it, there, there's so many things that are going on. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much opportunity. And, and exactly, you're right. Like, we're, we, we keep trying to use our pre-COVID measures 
to realign everything that's going on in life post COVID, you know, like relationships are a good one. Like we look at ourselves and we're like, okay, this is the kind of relationship expectation I have. Cause this is what it was like pre COVID. And yeah. it's just, it is a different world. We need a new blueprint. We need a new, new structure, a new way of working through things. Does a new blueprint make sense though, for yeah. social interaction? Because I don't know how else social interaction would work. Mm -hmm. that's a tr that's a tricky one you know so it's, like it's actually a funny thing um i was having a conversation with somebody about this this past weekend i used to i mean I, I don't know if you know this but my first my first career life you know <laughs> my first career uh i was a dating coach i was uh, i was in the the world of dating advice and uh, i taught you know men how to meet women and uh, I taught people, you know, that early stage of relationship building, you know, how to communicate, how to approach someone, usually in a non-creepy way. And uh, these days, you know, I, I don't do that professionally as much anymore. I mean, I, I still get friends and people asking me, you know, what would you do? And, and I would say, like, it's weird because we, we've gone from a, a one, like a, basically, we've gone from a relationship building mindset into a coexistence mindset. So what I mean by that, it's like, let's say the old way of dating and pickup is you like, man, meet, go up to a woman and let's say like, and you, you introduce yourself, you say hi, you say the things, you create, you create a container for it. But right now, because there's this distance amongst every one of us, we create an automatic distance. You have to almost assume a, a, a co-created space to begin with. So in other words, the analogy I use is kind of like looking directly at each other versus looking side by side at something else. So in other words, like we're looking more for opportunities where we're commenting on the state of our existence. So let's say you're at a grocery store, you talk about, you know, like COVID rules and instead of going up and kind of breaking the, the, the ice with a direct con confrontational kind of like, oh, hey, like I noticed you from across the room and this is what I want to say. I noticed, you know, there's something we're, we're more a little bit more guarded. And yeah. the best way to disable like that, that sense of guardedness is to remind each other that we're, we're both in the same world. We're, we're coexisting in the same frame of reference. Yeah. Um, but it is so hard to do that because everyone has this automatic like guard up. It's a very strange feeling, man. And I don't think, I don't think people even realize they're doing it, but they do feel cold. You know, there's a, there's a definitely, it's a colder environment. Like people used to, you could see them smiling. You don't know if they're smiling, if they're uh, grimacing, if, you know, you just have no idea. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think uh, is going to really get in the way. If, if we wear masks for a lot longer, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to affect the kind of, the kind of social skills we we have because we're the you know the, the mouth the, the face it's it's an essential part of it you need to know what someone's thinking when you talk to them oh, right man. when you yeah. approach them uh, <laughs> yeah it's all just disjointed man it's crazy i'm so sick of it <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we all are right yeah. um i think the uh, the statistics because you know i they've done studies on this like seven percent of communication, only 7% of communication is done through verbal. And it's it's what they call the 73855. The 73855 rule, as you said, is 7% communicating through spoken word, 38% in tone of voice, and 55% 55 in nonverbals. 
And mm. the Swift Drive Ascent, the majority of exactly said, it's it's facial expressions, micro expressions. And we get a sense of a person, like when we use language like energy, when we use language like, do I trust you? Do I get a good feeling about this person? Especially for ENFPs like me, who like feeling is everything, <laughs> right? Like I don't really trust almost logic. I trust my intuition so much more. Um, those little facial expressions, like a smile, like the way that our eyes move, those little facial expressions mean so much. So yeah. I got a plastic clear face mask. Yeah, for that reason. Key. Yeah, uh, and if you, if you get a chance to get one of those, like I highly recommend it. They're they're, they're kind of like a plastic thing. They're not as, to be fair, they're not as protective because they do leave a bit of room on top uh, mm. for air to come through. But it does do a pretty good job at blocking, let's say, like <laughs> you know, blocking the air coming out. And, and you can see the other person's face. And I, I think that we're going to find more and more solutions like this if um, if the COVID thing doesn't just vanish. And especially, I know right now in the UK, you guys are just going through another lockdown right now, right? Yeah, it's not just us, though. It's also Germany and France and probably a bunch of other European countries and other countries. I mean, not necessarily just Europe, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's getting into winter. And uh, the, the thing is, and, and I don't want to make this about COVID. I, I promise I won't. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of overlap, apparently, when it comes to testing for COVID, actually picking up things like the flu, you know, it, or, or the common or, or the common cold or some kind of some kind of uh, flu like illness. So anyway, just saying, you know, uh, pe people are people are starting to get sick again. And, uh, and I'm sure the disease is, the virus is spreading, but yeah, it, it's going to happen. There's no way to avoid it. Really, where do we think this is going to go? It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So, so, so yeah, but then, you know, a lot of people are upset. There's more protests. Um, people are losing jobs and their businesses are closing down. So really how, how, how much more can, can people handle before it gets too much? And, uh, it's almost like a, it's almost impossible to know what's true and what's not because all the information out there is so different. Like you've got such a wide variety of, there's no one place that's like the, the truth. And no. that's just a, it's like a, it's, that's just a, 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 an analogy for, for what the internet is like these days for anything, mm -hmm. anything that mm -hmm. is you know, where there's a politics involved, there's never going to be one place you can get the truth. It's always like a thousand different places. So, yeah. And um, every single one has a different interpretation, right? The, mm -hmm. we, we don't, if we can't, I mean, it used to be that we would have a, a shared sense of facts. Like these are the facts, you know, like Harvard came out with this study. That's the fact. And then the debate across political lines or personal lines or social lines becomes like, how do we interpret that fact? Like, what does that mean? Like, is this outcome the result of A, B, or C? And we got to debate that. But yeah. we don't have, we just don't have the same facts anymore. And, you know, And I think that's the most terrifying thing is we don't have facts. We have people who are, and I'm not stating on this on, on any other, on any particular direction. We have people who are like fully believing that COVID does not exist. It, it literally is a made up disease that does not exist. And then we have people who are like, it does exist, 
but it's not that bad. And we have people who are like, it does exist. It's just the flu. Or we have people who are like, it does exist. It is that bad, but it was like spread by malicious people. And then we have people who are seeing the facts like it does exist, but it's made by 5G, you know, like, and <laughs> it's such a range of beliefs. And, and whatever the belief is, that's the biggest problem is that it's not interpretive, is that every single person in this brain sees it as fact. So we literally live in a different universe, your universe, my universe, our universe, their universe. It is a very different world that I think changes so much of our experiences. Totally. You, uh, when we spoke, when we were planning this conversation, we spoke about the social dilemma and, you know, the Netflix special or some kind of documentary on Netflix. And Mm -hmm. it's really a notable documentary because obviously it's so it's so uh it's so uh, punctual like in its Mm -hmm. in its publication because we're going through a very hard time and a lot of it's to do with the lies and the fake news and everything um but but another uh you know side of that documentary is it's not just a documentary to me it's it's literally like a bunch of people who helped to build these platforms that are coming forward and telling us to not use them anymore Mm-hmm. which is really different because it's not just pundits and people on the sidelines who are saying, Hey, we think this is bad. It's like the people who literally made it are the ones saying that we should stop using it, or we should find ways to use it in more productive ways. So I talk about this a lot with people and it affects everything. It's so mm-hmm. important to really grasp the, the, the degree of um, impact that these platforms are actually having and have had already on democracy on on you know things like racism on 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 just spreading lies um and and i don't think most of us actually really get it i mean it's a popular documentary but let's just say most people who use these platforms just have either have no idea or they don't care enough to have an idea because they're overwhelmed they're overwhelmed or they're, you know, or they're just, they really love the platform so much. They, they don't, they don't want to change, you know? I mean, it's addictive, right? So addictive. I mean, imagine that you have a person who lives with you, who every single morning, just all they do is just echo back everything you believe, except with more intensity than what you believe in. So whatever suspicion you have, like you wake up and you're like, I feel like someone is stealing my socks. And they're like, yes, you're so right. As a matter of fact, here's evidence that people are coming into your house to steal your socks. <laughs> and you kind of like go, really? Like, no, I, I mean, I was just, just kind of like, I just thought that as a possibility. But like, no, absolutely. Like, here's some proof that people are like, look, here's a, a photo of somebody looking very suspicious in front of your house. They're definitely coming here to try to steal your socks, mate. And you're like, maybe people are trying to come in here and steal my socks. I'm like, yes. And every day it just confirms these beliefs that you have. And suddenly you go, yeah, it's fact. Other people. And it's like, here's 600 of the people who, who believe the same thing as you do. Mm. You start going, well, maybe that's so crazy after all, mm. you know? And we already have a distrust in a lot of ways of factual things like we have a natural tendency to want to fight back against want to rebel against you know people who try to tell us you know what to do we don't like it which is human nature we don't like being told what to do and uh, so so having people who are, who are actively saying you're you're right uh it's all a lie it's all fake and you should be scared yeah it's 
Like it's an easier thing to believe other people are at fault than we are at fault, than we are responsible. Absolutely. I mean, you use a, a humorous example, which I'm sure would actually be a real one if there were things like people stealing socks, worried about people stealing socks, <laughs> the public groups that were created. But you know, in reality, it's um, it's 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 a great analogy for things like you know, Pizzagate or um, any of the more ridiculous examples you can think of the things that are happening today, movements and uh, conspiracy theories. And and I think I'm a very open-minded person and I do believe that there are certain theories out there that have been either proven correct or will be proven correct but it's not really um I guess it's not really a healthy way to spend your time I do listen to the Joe Rogan podcast I do listen to Tim Dillon's show there are lots of these very interesting conspiracy theories that um well if they were true it would be absolutely shocking but um yeah, it does. It just amplifies whatever it is that you, and you said it really well. I mean, you, you, we don't like being told what to do. So if there's an algorithm that's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Believe in this. It's you, you're believing in something you already believe in, but just a little bit more, Hey, click here, click here. Okay. A little bit more clicks, a little bit more, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're um, they're getting what they want. And then you can, you can use that system. You can use it for political gain. And that's, I think where the problem starts is like, they've made this algorithm so good at getting us addicted and hooked and believing mm-hmm. what we're reading. Now, all of a sudden some malice comes in and it's like, we've won, we've won, <laughs> we've won what our objective is. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, 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 and I think really when, when I, when I think of social media, it, it ties into relationships really neatly mm-hmm. it's a way to connect it's a way to build connections it's a way to uh you know um see people uh, or not and, mm-hmm. and and we need to take it seriously i mean um it's it's potentially only going to grow as a way to to have those relationships so we need to find things out and i've been studying the humanities a lot uh, been studying uh, people like Jordan Peterson and mm-hmm. his works on things like maps of the mind and those mm-hmm. more advanced ways of looking at the human brain and the limbic system and and how it all ties together in terms of like an anthropological perspective, why we do the things we do, our mm-hmm. biases and, uh, and and the biases particularly, I think, are what people need to be very, very cautious about because those are the things that are gonna govern us when we're using platforms like this. I mean, we're scrolling through, we're not even aware that what we're reading is like a confirmation bias. And God, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the humanities, it's, it's, it's like we've given up trying to understand who we are. We're more likely to a- agree on what someone else thinks we are than what we think we are ourselves, because we've lost the agency to, yeah. to, to, to take perspective objectively. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, I mean, I don't know what the future holds. But. <laughs> That was a hell of a rant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're here for. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> but I had no idea that you were, um, I, I genuinely don't think you ever told me that you were a relationship coach before. That's really, oh, yeah. really, that's crazy to know. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was for a while. Like we were, um, you know, we were probably one of the, 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 uh, one of the top ones that I don't know if you ever read the book, um, the game by Neil Strauss. And, yeah. Uh, so, so Neil, like I, I was part of that community very early on. 
And uh, there was a chapter actually talking about uh, who Neil called like the the greatest, the best seducer in the, in the world, and that was that was you know Zamperian. He was my business partner, and we that was our 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 brand. No and it was all about that, that chapter was about you, but then it kind no, of no, 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 no. Oh gosh, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that was like, he was, he was just such a natural. Um, and it was very much like our, our message at the time very much was like, can we, can we communicate it from a place of something that's not based around lies, something that's based around truth telling. And, and that was the starting point. That was something I really believed in. You know, number one, you, you see my, my code of honor. Oh, you can't see it because we're on a podcast. But I have a po- code of honor right behind me. And that's my code of honor. Number one is speak the truth. I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in truth, not because I see it as a moralistic thing. I have nothing against people who understandably, like, don't go, you know, telling five-year-old Santa Claus doesn't exist or, you know, like, that's not the point. But it's more about, are you speaking your own identity? Are you speaking your own truth? Because so much of our suffering and struggle, even relationships, really just comes from when we hold back on what it is that we feel. And we're not communicating what it is that our real needs are, our real fears are, our real experiences are out of fear of being vulnerable. But being vulnerable is the form of invulnerability. So it was a yeah huge, 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 huge thing that I really believed in. Um, <laughs> I think to yeah. know that you were his business partner and then after you wanted to do what you were doing but explore it in a more human way in a in a in a in a, in a more you know uh, yeah I, I think for for me I eventually left because I didn't like how toxic that industry became this yeah. was before the red pill this was like before the red pill, before like the whole obsession with like, let's use, you know, very, uh, and I, I consider to be as very deceptive kind of mentalities. Um, and I think that there was a lot of toxicity and pain in that industry. And what I mean by that is that if we take a look at a lot of the people who went into that kind of pickup world and we ask ourselves, like, you know, it's, where does that intent come from? Like it, it was something that I was spending like eight, 10 hours a day thinking about how to become more attractive for women. Mm-hmm. And that's to a certain degree, you have to look at it being like, is that a healthy pattern? Mm-hmm. And what I didn't realize at the time was that so many of the men that I was talking to really like at one point, you know, I was just checking in and chatting with a lot of guys. I realized that so many of the men I was talking to really had very similar backgrounds. They tend to not have a very father, strong father figure in their lives. Um, it doesn't like, there was no father figure who, who sort of taught them what relationships were like. And they had a very strong feminine kind of strength. They had usually like they were raised by their mothers or their mothers were usually the stronger one and, and like the stronger parent in the relationship. And that fed into their identity. So they really craved that, that feminine energy in their life. So yeah. anything that comes up for them that comes of pain as insecurity, as doubt, as a uncertainty in their lives, as whenever they're feeling not enough, they go to, if I have women who love me, if I have women who are attracted to me, I would never feel lonely. I would never feel fear. I would never feel pain. And that's the misconception, right? That's the lie that we tell ourselves that we are, us men, somehow not enough without, you know, we are identified or defined by hot, hot, how hot our girlfriends are, or how many women are into us. And we mm-hmm. buy into that lie. 
And we and we support that lie with each other. We were like, oh man, like, you know, he can get any girl he wants. And we see that as being like, that's why I want to be more like them. But yeah. the source of that isn't the problem. The source of that is that we don't accept ourselves. It's probably one of the most difficult things to turn around or turn on its head because it's rooted in survival. Like it's rooted in spreading your genes to the next. You know what I mean? You can, you can, you can, you can somehow um, piggyback on that uh, pr primal drive and maybe subconsciously it's an excuse because, you know, it's just the way we are. That's just how we're built. We're human beings. We need to fuck. We need to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I guess that's, uh, that's one of the traps that I probably fell into it, it, earlier on as well. And, you know, the way that you broke it down saying that it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lot of the time due to the, the family setup. Mm -hmm. I can see the, I can see it. I've never really thought about it until you've said it now, but it's actually very similar to what happened with me as I was growing up. So thank God I'm here. <laughs> All the work that you've done, man. This is the reflection. That's why, that's, that's why I think this is why it is that we need more, need more people and um, need more really men who have gone through that and have sort of like healed some of that trauma to kind of say, look, there is another side of this. Like, like what you're looking for, it can't be found at, you know, the can't be found, at, you know, underneath a girl's panties. Like that's not the solution. That's not where you're going to find fulfillment and happiness. During the time that I was in it, I was, you know, quite successful. I spent so much time learning about this. I was quite successful, but it was always very get empty, it? right? It was very empty. And, and I'm sure you can relate. Hmm? Why did you choose to get into it? Um, I mean, are, are you talking the, uh, the the surface reason, or are you talking the deeper psychological reasons? <laughs> We're both surface and move <laughs> Now, the, the physical reason was easy. It was it's so easy, justifiable. It's like exactly what you said. I'm a man. My natural uh, the the story I was telling myself is I'm a man. My natural genetic evolution was that I'm here to procreate, and you know, like I want to bang as many women as I want I can, and and why not? And it just looks it sound and it's so cool. And really, at the end of the day, it's just cool. And that's why I got into it. And more importantly, there's two layers to it, right? Like, the first layer is that, like, how great would it be that I could go up to any girl and talk to them, and they'll fall instantly in love with me. And even better, and even more importantly, how cool will I seem to other guys as being special? And it comes down to that as being special, as being special enough to get it. And it was such an ego trip. And man, the throw you get, you know, the next day when you're talking with your buddies about like that super hot girl that you banged the night before and they're just giving you high fives. Like that was really what it was about. It, it wasn't even really about that, that sexual encounter. It was more for that. So that was, and that was the wound that I was there. So that was the, the surface of it, right? And the deeper thing was, I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted to be, feel loved. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't feeling love for myself. I wasn't feeling love in what it was I was doing. And I convinced myself that if I can convince women to love me and men to respect and admire me, then I must be okay. So that was the deeper reason, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was a teenager uh, when I first got in. Uh, I was, I think, 17. I was looking at this website at the time. It's called askmen.com. I don't even know. They, they still might be around, as a matter of fact. And uh, they had a, a blog at the time called uh, Doc Love. 
and you could send him a hundred bucks and he'll send you a book about <laughs> how to get love. And I was like, amazing. And I was 17 years old. <laughs> I, I had to go to the post office to get a money order. And it was the most awkward experience ever. I was the post office writing it out. And they're like, who would you like to send this to? Um, Doc Love, the doc, <laughs> the love doctor. <laughs> and this is before credit cards and e-commerce have taken off. And I got this crappy photocopied book. It was like not even, it was like, like somebody took a stapler and photocopied some printed out pages together in a, in a cassette tape. Cassette tape, dude. They don't even make cassettes tape anymore. And, and I, so I listened to it and it was utter, it was like 90% garbage. And 10% was if you don't give women attention, they'll like you more. That was the, the, the winning message at the end of it. And I bought that. I bought that Thank story, you. hook, yeah. line, and sinker. And I thought yeah. there's something wrong with me. You there see, the thing that, that I kind of get from that, and I've, I've, I have never done these classes, so I'm not that qualified to talk about them at all. But maybe you can help me. Uh, but the way that I interpret the game as a book mm -hmm. is that um, Neil's moved on and he, mm -hmm. he looks back on it with a kind of somehow, you know, um, uh, almost like a, like he sees the humor in it. He sees the, the, the craziness in it. He sees the, the brokenness in it. And he's trying to set, share that message with us that, you know, there's an industry that exists and the guys in it are, like you said, and it works. But I, you know, I think like, like attracts a lot uh, in this particular case like attracts like because mm -hmm. when you can manipulate someone that you know with those tricks i think you're attracting a certain type of person who's also very insecure and 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 i and you know I mean, that's just one of my observations but I, I, I and so i wouldn't obviously want to do that but um a lot of men would mm -hmm. i also feel like um I also feel that, yeah, manipulation is not okay. <laughs> you know, what you were saying as well, I think manipulation definitely is a, is a very, uh, it's not a great foundation to start building your, your, uh, your portfolio of relationships on, if anything. Um, yeah. I, I would say like, it's like, okay, so here's the guide. Here's how to get laid. Okay, here's how to get laid. Uh, number one is make up this is the lessons that that was being taught by this industry was okay. disregard your own desires become somebody else because you're not good enough that was the first message was like you are a beta and this is what quote unquote alpha guys do they talk a certain way they act a certain way they speak a certain way so go and get rid of everything about who you are and learn this new method instead learn this new identity and persona instead this is confidence and then it's called fake it till you make it and to a degree, I'm going to tell you this right now, like it works because it uses our own insecurities against us. So we are creating our own inner insecurities and then we are triggering other people's insecurities. If you go up to typically speaking a woman and you, uh, or anybody really, and you speak in a way that incites them to think of their insecure elements, they will want to recover that sense of pain by giving you more attention so that you could give them back attention. So now we've created a situation where you're feeding off of each other's insecurities, right? You're poking at your own to poke at theirs. 
And then you go into this relationship and you think, oh, that's great. And for that second of getting attraction, we recreate this, what we call trauma bonding, right? We create this, like, this, this, this sense of infatuation and we're both okay for a moment. But then think about what happens after the first week or two weeks or month. Because the idea is that like, okay, well, if you don't just want to bang everything that moves, like you want a real relationship, yeah. that's the next step. But that relationship is built upon essentially a foundation of you pretending to be somebody you're not and them having to keep seeking your approval when you just want to have a baseline of relationship. Like, so it creates this deep trauma bond where you're constantly triggering each other. Mm. And he talks about this, Neo talks about this in The Truth, which I highly recommend you read. It's hilarious. Uh, it's the second part of the book. And it literally starts with, if you haven't read the game yet, don't read it. If you have it, please don't give it away to somebody else. Burn the book. You know, and he talks about this. He was like, it is, it was a mistake. Like he, he looks back on it. And the truth is all about his journey of realizing shit. Like I learned all this so I can get into a real relationship. But as it turns out, the relationship I ended up getting wasn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. It was typically problematic. It was riddled with pain and drama because that was the foundation. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so much truth to it. And, and, I, and I went through it personally. Right. I went through a relationship that, you know, that had a lot of that kind of trauma bonding connection points. And looking back, it was like, oh, man, if I had, if I could go back in time and sit myself, sit myself down and being like, no, what you need right now really is to is actually starting with self-acceptance. Like confidence is way more powerful when it's self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had that power. Yeah. Why do you think we as men mostly almost mm -hmm. exclusively, I would say. Mm -hmm. Why do you think men look to trying to be someone like an archetype, like a, like a, like a cool alpha archetype to get, to get with women and, and, and satisfy those, those desires? Is it, is it because it's, it's, it's true? There is, the alpha energy is actually what women are attracted to for sexual reproduction. Yes. <laughs> From from the most heart connected place, I can say this. Um, at the end of the day, it is true. Like those genetic and those like those factors, those elements we're talking about is like, for example, confidence, self assuredness. Um, there's a kind of like direction. Women do. I'm not, of course, I'm generalizing, massively generalizing here, but many women do find that to be very attractive because we are seeking, there is a genetic part of us that we, we are seeking for a protector kind of energy around us. But it's, so confidence is sexy. There is no question about that. Confidence is sexy. Self-assuredness is sexy. If you go in and you are cocky and you are funny and you are self-assured, people are gonna find you attractive. That is baseline who we are. The only question is, Internally, if you are coming from a false place where you are doing the actions but not feeling it actually, then you're actually worsening your self-doubt because you're playing a role. And you're always wondering, what if I'm just myself? Will people not like me? Yeah. Whereas if you're coming from a place of like self-acceptance and like having done the work of looking at your actual shit and dealing with it, then there, that is actually true confidence. So the answer to the question is absolutely. All those things work. Of course they work. There's no question behind it. But it's like, it's like, it's like, are you using steroids to get fit at the gym or are you actually just, you know, going to the gym and having a good diet? That's the difference. Yeah. 
I, I think that the the challenge really is is addressing the the lying uh, when it comes to selling this idea. It's a lot easier to sell something that basically says you don't have this. I've got yeah, it. You're not enough, and you're never going to be enough. You don't have it. I, I can give it to you, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. Rather than just <laughs> telling someone, they can be themselves, but they just need to work on X, Y, and Z. I think, I think yeah, it's a, that's that's really one of the challenges. But you know, um, needless to say, there are many groups of men who who are just very toxic uh, when it comes to how they they think of and treat the opposite sex. And one of the one of the objectives, which is not, I think. Really, what what's happening with this podcast is as I'm as I'm doing it, I'm learning hmm. that you know, really, my audience is women. Really, my audience are people who are already looking for um, help being themselves more, hmm. and kind of bringing out that kind of goodness, and 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 hoping to to find a way to to strengthen their their relationships. But another. Uh, Another audience that I, I really am trying to reach out to, and I'm doing a series at the moment. It's a limited series on single mothers, uh, and, and really, it's about awareness. It's trying to bring awareness to the the epidemic of single parenthood, where eighty percent of the single parents are actually mothers. Um, so that it doesn't really, you know. So that's something that maybe we can think better about when we're when we're when we're in a position where maybe we we're going to have children. Or, or we're thinking of having children because it, it really affects the planet. It, it, it kind of, it kind of filters down into generations and 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 changes. Uh, it just changes culture, changes society. So yeah, I'm I'm starting to see that men are a very very big part of the audience that I'm trying to engage, mm-hmm. and these conversations are probably going to be a lot more relatable for men than they are for women. So I'm assuming more men are going to be listening to this episode. And so I think what we can do, which we've we've been doing a good job of this so far, is just really kind of highlighting, you know, some of the the lies we've been taught. Mm-hmm. And then maybe helping guys get into a different mindset and start to see, you know, how how they could use what they've already got and 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 emphasize that in a way that the other person really can get behind and uh, and mm-hmm. can help to strengthen the relationships. Now we talked about something um which is one of your specialties kindness mm-hmm. kindness such a such a an interesting topic to talk about because you you get different interpretations of kindness um mm-hmm especially when it comes to relationships, you know, like you said at the beginning, we, we are best telling the truth, but the truth isn't always nice, mm-hmm. but it's probably kind to tell someone mm-hmm. the truth. I don't know. I, 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 I completely agree with you. I, that, that word, oh man, I hate the word nice. I hate the word nice. I, I don't like, like there's so much, I feel almost a cringe when you said the word nice because it's nice is passive what's the difference between nice and kind we say it's like oh be nice and i'm like i you tell like a five-year-old to be nice nice is passive nice means the opposite of me nice means that you're doing something in a generically friendly way without malice attached that's what nice is and this is where we get the idea of nice guys because really you want to talk about manipulativeness 
we're we're not if we're talking about the manipulators, we're not really talking about just like you know the, the the sleazy player who goes out there to lie to women trying to get in them to bed. Like real manipulativeness is niceness. What I mean by that is a niceness with the intent of saying, I'm gonna do this for you, but you owe me. It, that's that's the energy, right? That's what nice is. It's like, I'm gonna come and help you in all these different ways. I'll Yeah, I'll come and fix your router. Yeah, I'll come and like, you know, do this for you. Yeah, but you're sure to cry on. But not coming from a place of genuine care or, um, or, or a place of like authentic joy, like I'm giving because I genuinely want to get joy from this givingness. But rather, it's like attached to this is like, I help you so much and now you owe me. Yeah. And that's the niceness that I really despise. You want? I feel like that's the manipulation at the core is where people is like, I'm going to do this so you will like me. It's not coming from, you know what? I don't need you to like me. I like me. And this is what I want to do because it makes me happy. So kindness to me is this is such an ironic statement to me kindness is about power like it's a powerful thing that we get to do to make the world around us better and it's like it's the opposite of a weakness right it's also very self-fulfilling so one of the things that i constantly talk about is look you can't be kind to other people until you've been kind to yourself we can't be kind to other people people go through burnout burnout happens when we are when we are serving others but putting ourselves second. So the first act of kindness we have to start with is taking care of your own needs. What are my needs right now? And sometimes those needs are speaking your truths. And you're right, the, the truths are not there. The kindest thing you can do is to be honest about who you are and what you want. And then drawing those connections. And once that's there, you can have a real conversation. And now you can start giving to others in a real way. What is the challenge that we find so, I guess, pervasive in, be, in being vulnerable as men. What, what is it that stops us from actually speaking our truth? Fear of judgment and fear of being seen as weak. I think almost, right. I, I, you know, like if, if the great, if we talk about the greatest cause of stress um, when it comes to men is not being a sufficient provider. So like not being able to make enough money to like provide for your family. That's, that's what we view as being like the greatest shame. Like if um, on, on the female side, it's being fat. It's being seen as being fat because then you're not sexually desirable, but both are coming from the same place. It's being seen as being not sexually desirable in, 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 in societally useful. And we associate the idea of weakness to be really like the worst thing a, a weak man and you know talking about jordan peterson right and i think I'm, i might be misquoting him here um i think he says something along the lines of like a weak man is a useless man or, or something to that 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 general realm and there is and as harsh as it sounds there is some truth to that yeah right yeah there's some truth to that we are like we are here to pursue our purpose as men I'm a big believer of that. Whatever you choose your purpose to be, and I, it's a choice as much as it is a discovery, whatever you choose your purpose to be, if you are on path, one of my, one of my teachers, um, his name is Phil, uh, or Tirtha, depending on who you want to call him, um, you know, he's, he started this, this men's group um, called Samurai Brotherhood, which I'm a part of. 
And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of been a participant in this group for a few years. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of messages in there that I, that I look at and be like, oh, it's really interesting. Some of it's a little bit out there. But the, the main part that I really believe in is when he says, it's like, really, we have it easy as guys. We really do. All we have to do is figure out what our purpose is and relentlessly pursue it. That's it. That's all we have to do. <laughs> and I was shocked when I heard it because it's so oversimplified. But it's true. You know what if you know what women find attractive? What 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 people find attractive is someone who is on purpose and relentlessly pursuing it. Yeah. We just want to be part of their journey. When you're lost, you're not really in anyone's gaze. Yeah. yeah. And and if you're if your purpose, if you have no purpose of your own, and your purpose is your guy walks around and being like, can you please be approving of me? Like, can, can you like me now? What can I do to make you like me? What else can I do to make you like me? Like, we, we don't see that as being somebody who is very attractive or valuable or, or, or very powerful in the world. And that's the difference. Power is not violence. Power is not aggression. Empowerment is somebody who's focused and in pursuit of what it is that they, they see as their greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. I think that is a very... <laughs> That was a fantastic way to explain it. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a challenge for a lot of guys, especially young guys, because it takes time to get to the point where you know what it is you want to do. You know what drives you. We get thrown into institutions where we have to stick to a certain course for years, sometimes more than others. And at the end, a lot of the times we figure out we actually that wasn't our purpose. Well, we really want to do something else. And we have to wait until we've somehow exhausted that knowledge and that skill and mm -hmm. kind of amassed some kind of wealth. And then we do what it is that we wanted to do all that time. And there's this mm -hmm. resentment that's inside of you. I mean, I'm just really extrapolating on that. But but mm -hmm. essentially, it is, it is an issue with age. I think a lot of young people don't realize just how patience, how much patience factors into, you know, things like finding the right person, being of, of value to society, and that, that there's this kind of period of time where, and it's very flexible, you know, it is actually very flexible, um, where you can just do whatever it is that you want and, and it's okay. You don't have to worry too much about it. Gary Vee talks a lot about that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred um, percent. A lot of, I, you know, I, I coach and mentor a number of young people. Um, and one of the most common questions I get when, I, when, it, when it comes to the question of purpose is how do I find my purpose? Um, or what should my purpose be? And you know, the answer to, if you don't have a purpose right now, what should you be doing? Well, it's simple. If you don't have a purpose right now, your purpose is to go find your purpose. And, and I see basically most of our 20s as being that, that framework. It, it's a little bit like a buffet. You're going to go into the buffet and you are going to taste as many things as you can and be honest with yourself about what you like and don't like. And in the beginning, we have a tendency of going, okay, who do I like, who do I want to model myself after? And we take after their likes and we look at our models and we look at our heroes and we're like, okay, well, he likes this. So I'm going to try to like this. But a big part of it is like tasting different things and being like, you know what? I don't like this. And I'm okay with never liking this <laughs> <laughs> and realizing that it's okay. I'm just not going to ever like this. It's just not my thing. And there's oh most things are not going to be your thing. 
Peter, you know, talking about Jordan Peterson, you know, one of his like 12 rules is like, don't do things you hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a simple truth, but you'd be shocked at how often our lives are, how much of our lives we give away doing shit we hate. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of it. <laughs> so much of it. And we say to ourselves, oh, I have to do this. And it's like, really? You have to? Tell me why. Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Oh, I have to because it's 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 my job. If I don't do this, my boss will fire me. It's like, well, you know, is this the right job for you? Is this the only job you can find doing shit you oh hate? Oh my god, Ryan! I I, I was uh, yeah, <laughs> I I overheard a conversation, um, and and it was about Harvard. People that have been accepted to Harvard or gone to Harvard and basically said they don't they don't need it and left uh, and or not gone. People like uh, Steve, well, I think Steve Jobs was was a different university, but there's Bill Gates, there's a, there's a bunch okay. of other notable people. And, and the power in being able to, I think this was, yeah, um, this was uh, Eric Weinstein talking. Um, so he's basically, there's a, some of the best people on the planet are the ones who've been able to say no to Harvard. Because it, it, it's like you can you can never give me you know the thing that I that it is that I truly want. They know what they want. They know what they're they're going to do. They don't need that certificate. Um, and uh, and and Goodwill Hunting is an amazing mm-hmm. example of of how you know one man uh, gets given a, a golden ticket to financial freedom and and perhaps notoriety and and he just gives it up for love, gives it up for something, a chance. He takes a chance, a risk. I think risk taking is just so underrated, so underrated. It's so, it's so, it's looked upon as, um, as fear of death, but it's Mm. not, it's actually the chance at living. And Mm -hmm. that's a very interesting coin to flip because if you're seeing it as a fear of death, you know, take a look at your life. Maybe your life would look very different if you just flipped it on its head, you know? Uh, maybe you'd be happier. Maybe you'd feel more fulfilled. You don't know until you give it a shot. Um, being vulnerable, it's a risk to take. But what would you rather have? A woman or a partner who wants you to tell them what they want to hear? Or would you want a partner who's going to be completely honest and loyal? Um you know, let's go back to what that conversation was about because we we did sidetrack a lot. You, you sure. were talking about how you hate you hate being nice. You hate the word nice in mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. Um, I think it would be interesting to know what some examples of the difference are is between nice and being kind when it mm. comes to relationships in, in certain scenarios, like is it kind to be truthful? Like, is it really kind to be truthful? I mean, like, how does that look like someone, someone, for for example, you go out with someone and, Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't, you don't really get along with them. You don't think it's a, Mm -hmm. you don't think it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it, is it okay? Is it acceptable to tell them that you didn't like them? Well, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, And yes, I think, I think it's okay. I think that the way you say it can be, tactful there's definitely something between like you know i just think you're fat (laughs) right which you know hopefully isn't you know where you're coming from there's a difference between like i don't like you because you're not likable because that's not even true the truthful answer is if you're starting a sentence with you are 
or you always, or you never, chances are that's not a truthful statement. We're talking about truth. It's taking personal responsibility. It's our, our own truth. Um, and you know, one of the biggest, <laughs> one of the common complaints that I hear from a lot of my female friends is, oh man, like it's, it's getting ghosted, right? Um, is like you start a relationship and you're excited about this person and you know there's there's energy there you're clicking and you see each other a few times and they just vanish like to me that's not being nice that's like the very opposite that's that is the problem and where that comes from is that the other person lacks the courage to be honest being honest is facing up the possibility of confrontation and like from the other guys, from the other person's perspective, ghosting happens because they're afraid of confrontation and they're afraid of the fact that like, they're not going to be nice about it. So being the nicer, kinder thing to do would be actually like, hey, listen, um, you know, we've had, you know, this many dates and, um, you know, at first I was really excited, but I, right now I'm not just, just not feeling the energy. It's just, I'm not really, I, I just, I, I don't feel the same attraction as I did in the very beginning. And, you know, like, this is what it is. It, like, it doesn't even need to be an apology in that sense. Just be like, you know, this is how I feel. And I would, you know, if you want to be friends, be friends. You don't have to be friends. And, and just like, this is, this is how I feel. And being truthful about how you feel. I think that's the kind thing to do. Mm. It's not saying you are not an attractive person. It's just saying, look, there's a great... <laughs> There's a great old, you know, age uh, uh, saying, which is you could be the sweetest, juiciest peach in the whole world. And there's just someone out there who doesn't like peaches. We're not going to be 100% attractive to everyone. I'm not attractive to, um, I'm not going to be attractive to everyone. It's just not possible. Some people are going to find me attractive. Some people are going to find me to be, most people are going to be find me to be, you know, meh, oh, okay. And then there's going to be some people who just hate me just because I'm me. They just hate me no matter what. And I'm like, okay, that's going to happen. Yeah. So the kind thing to do in that situation is being honest. Mm. And, and mm -hmm. being honest is expressing our feelings, our vulnerability, and facing up with the possibility you might disappoint someone. You might make some, you might create a sense of sadness. You might, you know, and it's not your responsibility to caretake other people's feelings for them, but to be truthful about your feelings and let them make up their own mind. Hmm. I recently did a test on the Know Yourself or Learn Yourself website. I think it's Jordan Peterson's website, right? He has this mm -hmm. te personality test. It's kind of like other tests where it kind of asks you a bunch of questions and it calculates a, a score or some kind mm -hmm. of report. Mm -hmm. And it's based, this one's based on the big five. I forget what they are, but I, th I think there's intellect, there's conscientiousness, there's um you know there's a bunch of there's a bunch of kind of criteria that build up who you are as a person and you score against them so i did my test and oh agreeableness and extroversion so i did my test and i'm, I'm very agreeable you might mm -hmm. already know that but i'm a very agreeable person which isn't a bad thing now all of these things make up who's who we are as, as humans and there's pros and cons so if you're weighted towards one side or the other there's pros and cons of that um, but a high agreeableness is, is, it can be associated with the, with the hesitation or inability to say what we really think in a situation where there may be confrontation. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so you say things that maybe you don't really feel because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings or you don't want to get into a fight or you don't want to, you know what I mean? 
and 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 it explains a lot about me because I'm a very social person. I, I like making friends. I like somehow being the center of attention. Um, and I, I what I'm seeing here is as we're discussing this, and as we're saying things like, you know, you can say the truth, you can tell the truth, you can you you can you can you can you don't have to worry about saying how you feel to someone because. That's just the best way to do it. I, I feel like people listening to this are going to be already thinking ahead, thinking if they're very agreeable, they might be thinking, yeah, but I don't know if I can handle that kind of confrontation or that kind of like anxiety that I get thinking about, well, what are they going to say to me? What are they going to think about me? Are they going to talk about me to their friends? And um, doing these kinds of tests and being open-minded about that, I I couldn't understate it enough. I know you're big into these kinds of, you know, Myers Briggs and, and all of that, those stuff. You even mentioned it earlier, right? So, so <laughs> what, how, what do you think about that? Like getting, getting your head around who you are as a person and then working on your strengths, you know? Um, I think that under, I, I love tests of any kind like this. I've done so many of them and uh, th- many of them are disputed as to like, oh, the validity levels, you know, Myers-Briggs, Enneagrams, you know, human design, all this kind of stuff. I find it all fascinating because I see it also as different frameworks. They're all interpretations. Um, I've never come across one where I'm like, I think this is who I will be forever. We sure. human beings, we change. We change. That's, that's the one constant we get is we go through changes throughout our lives, different stages. It's like chapters of a book. Every once in a while, we go through a different chapter. And the question is, who are we in that chapter? Because we are really at the core, and to get a little bit spiritual on this, but we're really at the core, we're just observers of our experiences. We make decisions, we, we, we act, and then we experience the world, but we are observers of these experiences. And our understanding of why we do things is an important one. We don't think very often about why we do things. So really, when we talk about things like truth and honesty, that the hardest truth that we always have to face is always our own. Because we bullshit ourselves so much. (laughs) So many things we think of are just rationalizations or cognitive distortions. You know, the amount of lies we tell ourselves on a daily basis. You know, we we tell ourselves lies like, oh, I'm good enough. Anytime we're the question of, am I good enough? That's, That's a lie. And whatever decision you come up with, it's like good enough for what? Who's defining that? You know, if you study CBT, which is called cognitive behavior therapy, you know, a lot of these, it mentions out these like major types of um, major types of distortions that we create or nothing thinking, um, you know, black or white thinking, you know, like what we discredit or like, you know, limit down the positive thinking. All of this is lies that we tell ourselves. And I think that the only way to get around it is by start telling ourselves the truth and start telling ourselves harder truths. So the situation you just talked about, agreeableness, right? In a scenario where we are facing up against someone and we're trying to be nice, the first question I'll ask myself, and, I, and I've experienced this, I have the same problem. <laughs> Not, I, I find out how you define problem, right? But I have the same trait. I'm very high in agreeableness. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at it going, where is this energy coming from? Where am, am I making this decision because I genuinely don't care? Or am I going along with the group against what I desire because I'm afraid of being rejected by the group. And if I'm being rejected by the group, am I actually at risk of this? And I realized I wasn't testing any of these theories. I was doing what the cognitive distortion in this situation is called um, mind reading. I was making decisions for other, to give an example. Okay, this past weekend. So me and my girlfriend, we went up to 
we had a beautiful cabin with, you know, some of our closest friends were up in Whistler, you know, it's our little retreat and getaway. And so yesterday uh, we had a thing where, you know, I left the house in, in the morning. I went to, you know, run a few errands and do a little shopping in the morning. And uh, I came back and she was just on her laptop. She was doing a little bit of work. And I came up and I was like, hey, babe, like, how's it going? I was just chatting with her a little bit. And she kind of had a little bit of a, uh, like, like a little bit of a, a guarded energy. And she just looked at me and she's like, babe, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just in the middle of work right now. I kind of want to get back to workflow. And I was like, okay, sure. Sounds good. But I felt a little rejected. <laughs> and I was just there kind of like, you know, like, like, like fine, whatever. I want to work. We're on vacation, spending so much time. So I'm playing this scenario on my head and I'm getting annoyed actually at the fact that she's cho- choosing to work. And then later on in the evening, um, we do these processes called check-ins or clearings where we kind of just take a moment and, we'll, and either of us can initiate and just be like, hey, so I just want to do a clearing with you. We just want to check in. And we speak what we call micro-truths. Micro-truth is no matter how small of a grievance or a feeling of resentment or any kind of like a annoyance, we, we voice it all out. Like, and, and we voice it in language of the story I'm telling myself is blank. So I'll say, you know, okay. And, I, I'll, and, and she started by saying, coming up to me and I, and I said, well, the story I'm telling myself is that you know, I felt a little rejected today because you know you were you were working and I was inviting you to come out with me and I wanted to do something and connect with you. And then she was like, actually, I was feeling a little bit like distant because she had felt abandoned that I had left in the morning without checking in with her. Oh, right. Excellent. Interesting. So we didn't know that. So we were both playing out the story. She was just there griping of the fact that I abandoned her without checking in with her all day. And I was there griping of the fact that she was kind of like choosing work over me. And because we didn't speak our truth in the morning, the whole afternoon, we were holding on to these stories. So that's what I mean. Is that, are you telling the truth about yourself? Are you telling the truth about each other? Is this, are you conforming and confronting the stories with the other person? And it's such a powerful one. Such a powerful, this is probably one of my favorite things. Yeah. That is a really powerful, powerful (laughs) thing to talk about. Think about your life and all the misunderstandings you've ever had that you didn't even know were misunderstandings, that you (laughs) didn't even know, but could have known if you just had a channel of communication like that, (laughs) that would have changed your trajectory or the trajectory of the other person. (laughs) It's just mind boggling how the butterfly effect in this particular instance mm-hmm. could, could actually manifest you know just through oh, talking man. more of your truth incredible yeah, uh, like, yeah. We, and I we tell ourselves stories yeah yeah and and and, and it's so you know there's many times that i thought someone just, just didn't like me they just didn't find me attractive or whatever but it wasn't the it wasn't the case it was something else they were mm-hmm probably just reading me wrong and they thought that I didn't find them attractive or they were worried that if they told me that they found me attractive that I would like you know do something or I yeah it's crazy how much you can extrapolate that but um I, I, yeah I feel the same way too sometimes when you said <laughs> that you got affected by yeah no it, it, it's it's one of those things I'm finding very hard to get my head around uh I will get negatively affected by things and I'll know that they're not real things, but I'll still be affected. Like, for example, if I give someone a compliment and they don't give me and they don't say thanks, they don't say thank you. It's I've I've been taught this way, right? Mm -hmm. They don't say thank you. I immediately think, 
what the hell? Like, what is what is up with this person? Why are they being such a dick? Uh, right, that's a thought mm-hmm. that will go through my head. Totally. But in reality, that shows me mm-hmm. to a certain degree, I'm doing it out of selfishness. I'm doing it because I want something from them. I, I want something from them when I give them something. And that's that's mm-hmm. never a, a good thing and a good place to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, oh my God, fascinating. It's so fascinating. If someone was to go to the bottom of that, they would change their life completely. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a funny thing. We're, we're talking about, you know, um, attraction and, and dating advice earlier on. And, you know, one of the easiest piece of dating advice I've ever get because a lot of times, you know, back then we have guys who are coming to us and asking us for, for dating advice. And they, they've read all these kind of books and they've memorized all these lines. And one of the most basic things, which I would just tell them, is like, look, let's just go out there. And I just want you to go and, and tell people you're attracted to that you're attracted to them. Mm. That's it. Just go up to them and, and just say that, Hey, I, I think I find you very cute. And, and without asking, that's the biggest difference, right? Especially now, like you don't, you know, like we're more and more aware now of that, you know, you can, that can come off as, you know, infringing upon someone's space or, or creepy, but it's like, if you're just speaking your truth, that there's, that's it. And then respecting whatever the response is. So if they set a boundary and they're like, thanks, and then they just want to move away, then fine, then back off and just not, not into you. But how often do we go through our, and I would, you know, how often do we go through our days creating stories about how other people feel of us? We will we'll imagine what other people are thinking. We have entire conversations. You ever experienced this where you have an imaginary fight with somebody about exactly that scenario? Like you, you maybe like you come across a friend and you know, you're walking on the street and you see a friend and you're like, oh my God, like you, you recognize them and you like wave at them and they look up and they look in your general direction. They keep walking. They don't give you any kind of response. And then you're like, oh, like he ignored me. Like, oh, that was such a slight. And you get like angry and you're like, why do you ignore you? And you start thinking of the stories. Oh, it must be because last week, you know, I said this and, you know, I said that I didn't like his, you know, hat and he must be mad at me. And that's why he's like ignoring me now. And like, you know how often I've been there for him, man? Like how I, I have like helped you all so many times and you start having these conversations, imaginary fights the other person. And then later yeah. on down the road, you actually catch up with them. You're like, hey, man. And you're like, hey, what's up? And just like, you know, the other day we ran into each other. Like, why didn't you say hi? I was like, oh, I- I'm sorry. Like, you know, I, I was just, I-, I had a fight with my wife that morning. Or it's like, oh, you know, like that day, you know, my dog is sick. And I was just in my world. I didn't even, I didn't even know that you were waving at me. I'm so sorry. I, did- I must have not seen you. And then we go, oh, holy crap. Like we had created this whole story, this whole fight around it. When in fact, it was just like, oh, if we just started communicating our truth, like, again, mm. there are boundaries to this, right? Our truth in a way that is kind, but just checking and being like, hey, listen, um, you know, this morning you said this and I, I kind of got the energy of this. I just want to check in. Are we okay? Or in the case of what you suggested earlier, when someone goes in, like, hey, listen, I just want to check in here and it's okay that you're just not into this. Um, like, are, are, you still ex- are you still into this? Are you, do you still want to keep seeing each other? Are you still into me? And if not, it's okay. And actually giving them that space to acknowledge that. I think we'll save ourselves so much, so much struggle. Yeah. You know, say the thing. If you get good at it, then you're on your way. I mean, the longer you put off that kind of openness, I think it's harder to really kind of find the right person for you. It's hard. It's harder to go through the 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 kind of the failures. There's always going to be failures before you reach the one the one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just like when, you know, in business, you know, you got some ideas, you need to go and do them. Otherwise you're never going to know. So it is about having, you know, some, some, some courage, I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, and Mm -hmm. the odd thing is, and I was, I wanted to say this earlier when you were talking, I wanted to say that I find the hardest people to talk to, or at least that look like they're the hardest people to talk to because they're frowning or they've got some kind of energy on going on with them. As soon as you, open a communication channel they're like they can't stop talking to you they're like because they i think it's something it's something it's like an opposite of what they're really feeling inside they need to talk but they're obviously hurt or they're going through something and sure um yeah i mean it's 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 as simple as this in the gym Mm -hmm. the guys that frown the most Mm -hmm. are the nicest guys in the gym when you get to know oh man (laughs) it's so weird so often it's weird. The, the, or the sooner we realize that, I mean, it's, this is a good thing and a bad thing. The sooner we realize that most of the time, it's not about us. <laughs> you know, Most of the time, it has nothing to do with us. Like people go through their own experiences. Most people are fighting some kind of battle, especially now more and more realize that like everyone is going through some kind of really deep, intense battle that you've never, you will never realize you never think of, you have no idea. You know, they're going through familial struggles or going through health struggles or going through financial struggles and they'll not ever tell you. And when, when we get a negative response, even if it's not really a negative response, just a very half-hearted response, we tend to make it about ourselves. We think that, oh, it must be because they have this opinion of me. It's nothing to do with us, mm. right? And, mm. and it's almost a kind of arrogance to think that other people are thinking about you that much. Very much, yeah. Very right. Much. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a neurotic thing, isn't it? It's like you're putting yourself at the center of, of, of the meaning of the universe, and you, yeah. we do it a lot. I, I do it a lot. I have a, a not a high neuro. I, I don't have a high neuro, neuroticism, but I, I do think of myself as somehow entitled when I don't really think that's true, logically mm-hmm. speaking, you know, mm. uh, and. Yeah, if you look, if you go to a like, for, I'll give someone homework if they're listening to this. I really do want them to do this as well. If you go to Humans of New York mm-hmm. on Instagram and you just read the stories in the descriptions of those photographs, it's a it's a it's like a crash course in learning about what's really going on with people, just strangers, anyone you bump mm-hmm. into them in the street. You'll, you'll read a story and you'll be like, you'll be drawn in, you'll be, you'll cry, you'll laugh, you'll, you'll just feel these emotions because you can relate to all of it. And you didn't even know, you just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but that's a, that's mm-hmm. a very powerful uh, brand. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I love humans of New York. Um, I also just, you know, love talking to people and, and, and connecting with them and asking them, you know, how, how how things are going, you know, what, what is going on in your life right now? And, and I think, you know, you being, you know, a podcast, you know, this being a podcast and you being a podcaster, I think that's the, the beauty of what we get to do. What you get to do is to take a peek into other people's worlds. And that's the thing is that when we're talking about kindness, coming back to that message of kindness, the first layer of kindness is always like making sure your own cup is filled. And then after making sure your own cup is filled, filling in the cups of others. Right. And that's particularly the case in relationships. You know, the, the, the first thing we do is like, it's the relationship cup theory. The idea is that, you know, you have a cup, I have a cup. 
we all have to make sure our cup is filled first. And then we pour ourselves into the relationship cup together. Mm -hmm. So we have like the third thing that we're building, which is relationships. And therefore that way we're not going like, you know, I'm not enough, you're not enough, but you complete me. That Jerry Maguire quote drives me freaking crazy. Yeah, I'm like, no, you can't complete another human. You complete yourself. You can only complete yourself. Nobody else can complete you. Like that's trauma yeah, bonding. <laughs> pretty sure of that. Did they get together in the end of that movie or did they stay separated? I I think they end up, I don't remember. I think it was, it was like the 90s sitcom era. So back then it was all about like struggle. And that's the message, right? That's what we've been taught love is. Yeah. And that's what we've been taught is that you had to find this person who will complete you. It's like, no, you be the person to complete yourself. And then you find a person and you create a new relationship together. And that relationship is the beautiful garden from which you get to, you know, receive from. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great example, man. I, mean, I think what happened in that movie was she realized that there was no way she could complete him. And that's why they ended up not staying together because he was broken. Was He's a broken guy. Oh, totally. And, uh, and, and uh, okay, on the topic of, let's, let's do this last topic because this is a great. <gasps> yep, totally. You clearly have some really interesting habits when it comes to managing and optimizing your relationship with your girlfriend, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think so. <laughs> I, want to ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions. So sure. one is tell me more about that. Cause there may be a structure there that we could replicate. And two, did you do a lot of that soul searching that you talked about in terms of kind of getting into a position where you were able to be kind, truly mm -hmm. kind and honest and open before you got into that relationship how do you do it when you're in a relationship, but you know you need to do it? Great questions. Um, so I'll, I'll share some things that have worked really well for me. I mean, our first, you know, because with, with my girlfriend and I, like we both have a background, you know, she's a coach, you know, we both have done a lot of inner work and, you know, a lot of like process work. And what, what we call basically process work and inner work really is just like working on ourselves, working on what the patterns are, where they're coming from. Um, why we have certain toxic patterns in our background and, and healing that because that's what we're trying to hear or do. Um, and our first date was like on our first date was the most honest thing ever. Like it was, it was unlike any other first date I've ever been on. We just sat down and we just went, here's exactly what all my fears are. Like, these are the stories I tell myself about me. These are my patterns. These are my pasts. And then we kind of went like, is, does this work for you? Does this, does this work for you? Is this what you want? Is this what we want? Um, literally the first thing I asked her was like, Hey, like we just decided to hang out. It was one of those things that us millennials do, right? We just went and like hung out, went to this cat cafe. And I just asked her, I was like, Hey, is this a date? And she just looked at me and she's like, do you want it to be a date? And that was a make or break moment for me. I was kind of like, I can, I can be up front here. And I was like, yes. And I did made a decision. I was like, if she says no, she doesn't want to be a date. I'm going to go home. Cause I don't want to waste my time being attracted, like trying to invest in a relationship that isn't two-sided. And I said, yeah, I, I do want it to be a date. Do you want to be a date? And she's like, yes. And that was where it starts from. So a few practices we've, we've kind of established. 
And give me a quick second. You may have to cut this out in editing because I uh, I actually have it written down a, a list of tools because I get asked this question so often um, <laughs> by my close friends of like, what do you guys do? Because um, we have a really, I feel like we built, this is the strongest relationship that I've ever built. Um, do you use like, uh, do you use like notes on Apple or like, because I, oh, yeah. I have a lot of this shit flying around too. Oh man. So yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah. you know, we have, we've like, I took such such care early on about all these little things about like what were what were the most important things the tools because a lot of this wasn't natural it wasn't like it was just organic we just lived into it we learned these tools like we have done so much reading and so much studying we've both taken conscious relationship courses you know we read through books by like the John Gottman Institute books and we've done so much work on relationships and so when we first started dating, we're like, let's use some of these tools. And we very much bonded on that value. Don't okay. tell me you met. Don't tell me you met at a relationship convention or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. We met through mutual friends. Right. We met through mutual friends. Um, you know, I had a crush on her for like a good three years. She was by far the most beautiful woman I had ever met. Um, for for that what I felt attracted to. Like I just remember feeling like, oh, holy crap, like she is so stunningly beautiful. Like there's you know, I have very high confidence having, you know, my background, <laughs> you know, thinking like I could, yeah, like, but I, even that stage, I was like, oh my God, like she is such an incredible human being and she's so kind. She's so loving. She gives so much. And then when, um, when we decided to one day hang out and grab tea, there was just so much chemistry and so much energy there. And that's why it is. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take you on a date. And we did so many things like we dressed up in matching clothing. I took her to, you know, like an art gallery, a Monet art, you know, they were having a Monet exhibit and we both dressed up for, as characters from Monet paintings. It was, we we're so dorky. We're just like- the, so nerdy, man. I'm getting The nerdiest, you have no idea. <laughs> and then the entire time we're talking about things like, you know, our, our beliefs. Okay, so here are some of the tools uh, and, and, and I'll throw them at you. You can decide which ones you want to keep. Uh, so number one, uh, the first tool we added was basically called micro truths, which is we made a commitment that when we're around each other, anytime there's a micro truth, anytime we feel something like a, like a negative experience or like a judgment or a guess or a prejudice, we voice it. And this does not mean that you, you say everything off your cuff, like without filter. It just means you think a little bit about it. Like, it's like, oh, like, you know, maybe she did something the other day that I'm a little bothered by. We, we don't let anything fester into something big. We voice it then and there. We try our best to voice it then and there. So speaking of micro truths, that's number one. The other thing is that we, we obsess about, we realize that because both of us have done so much work, we're constantly trying to get things right. So we constantly, we set up a thing. I got, we, I got matching pins on Etsy uh, that says imperfect uh, and, and fuck perfection. And we, I gave her one. So that we remind ourselves, like, we don't have to do everything right. Like, just, just being okay with the fact that there's going to be a lot of imperfections in our lives, that we're both humans, and it's, it's totally okay to be human. And to practice emotional transparency, to just be like, this is what I'm experiencing. This is my fear. This is my uncertainty. This is, how I, this is what I'm afraid of, uh, this judgment. And then just voicing that. So it's very much about, you know, when they say communicate, it's a habit, but it's also a hard one to practice that you, re- you need a lot of reminders of is you don't need to be perfect for the other person. Yeah. And, and, and to reinforce that, like, I appreciate you for who you are as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The third thing uh, we had as a rule, it's called you do you. Um, and basically it is it's just giving another person permission to do what it is that they get to do in their lives. If it doesn't involve or concern me, I, I don't try to change her. And that was very important is I won't try to change her about who they are. I will, I will ex express is something that they're doing is affecting me in a negative way, but otherwise I'm just going to say that like, okay, like you do you, if you, that's what you want to do, by all means, you go ahead and do that. And it might sound a little cold at first of like, you do you, so just, I don't care, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's that I want to have her and we want to have each other have the freedom to pursue what we believe in and, and our own choices. Um, uh, again, if I go, I'm going to do five, that's okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I think that's where a certain amount of neuroticism and jealousy comes into it. If, mm -hmm. if you if you want your partner to tell you or show you exactly what they're doing, I've, I've seen this happen a lot. And I, I think I have a good reason to say it. Not, I'm not just kind of popping out of the blue with this thing. It's, sure. um, it's a big challenge for certain cultures, especially <clears throat> back in the Philippines where I used to live. There's a ton of people there who who just can't stand the idea of their partner not letting them in on things or doing their own thing for for fear that they're gonna lose them to the outside world. They're gonna find something better. Um, I, I just wanted to bring that up because it, it it can be it can be a silent killer. You might not even see know that it's happening. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of these things are unconscious. A hundred percent. So much of the things, like you said, so much of the things is unconscious. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I have is um, we, we talk a lot about what we call you and me versus the patterns that it's, it's not that I'm trying to go against you, whatever comes up. So for example, um, we have a, uh, we have an imaginary friend in our lives. This is such a great tool to deal with a lot of the common little things that we have. You know, we like we 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 lived together for a little bit, short period of time during the early stages of the pandemic. So like she came and stayed at my place. And like any other couple, when you first start living together, there's gonna be a little habits that will show up for each other. You know, for example, like one day, you know, she didn't wash the coffee mug <laughs> after, you know, I made the coffee and that was our agreement was that I'll make the coffee if you wash the mug. And I hate washing coffee pots and mugs. Um, I just don't like to deal with it. And, uh, and, and so we created this person in our lives that we named Karen. And anything, anytime this small thing like that shows up, we just go and blame Karen. And, uh, and it's, it made so many things easier. And, you know, like I would, I would, you know, I'll look at the mug and I'll be like, yeah, you, you left the mug there. And she's just like, no, I didn't do that. Karen did that. And I'll be like, fucking Karen, man. She's like, fucking Karen. Karen is the worst. And then she gets up and then she goes and she washes the mugs, you know? And that like, Karen has been such a great, I'm sorry for anyone who's actually named Karen. Uh, I apologize on behalf. Karen has been the best tool in our relationship because anytime something small like that comes up, we just blame Karen on it. Oh and in that, it's a way for us to, to recognize that there's something that bothers us without assigning blame. Because otherwise it gets into, you always do this or you never watch. So that's like, that's not true. It's like, you sometimes do and sometimes you don't. And people forget you're, you're a human being. And it's like, fucking Karen, man. So yeah. anytime something like that comes up, we just blame Karen. <laughs> I feel like if I was to have Karen in 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 a relationship, in you know, in, in the middle of our relationship, I I would probably do things like have real verbal verbal uh, exchanges with her, maybe even physical altercations. <laughs> it would be it would be 
<laughs> I would make a thing out of it. I would really would. But that's that's fascinating. I've never heard of that before. I've never ever. <laughs> Is that did you make that up or did you? Yeah. Learn that? Well, I mean, my my partner did. My 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 girlfriend did. Yeah. And she would <laughs> introduce it to me, and she was like, "I was like, that's a great idea." You know, like, oh, you were supposed to text me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Karen was distracting me. It's like, fucking Karen again. And it, it creates. So this is something we learned from Gottman, uh, the Gottman Institute, uh, who talks about this, like, uh, he's, Gottman was the scientist who figured out he can predict a divorce with, like, 96% accuracy from wow. observing 90 seconds of their interactions. Wow. Uh, that was, his, he was a psychologist who figured it out. Groundbreaking. Absolutely amazing book. Um, and, uh, and one of the things he talks about is the way these kind of chasms are created in relationships. We create conflicts, conflicts happen, normal. You have to, conflict ha naturally happens between people, but it's a question of how do you deal with it? And the, the deeper you let it fester, the deeper it grows. The more you let it fester, the deeper it grows. And um, so he talks about in the book, this thing called repair attempts and repair attempts are very simple. It's just like one person at some point in the fight comes out and, and makes an attempt at repairing this. And Karen became our repair attempt. It was our implicit way of saying, look, I recognize that I screwed up here. There was something I'm taking responsibility for, but I also don't want to take responsibility for it right now. So then having Karen there just makes everything easier. It, it like if heads off fights before they become fights, because there's no ego, there's no personality. You know, we just go, oh, you didn't text me last night. You say you're going to, ah, oh, fucking Karen, it distracted me again. Ah, oh, fucking Karen. And then we're good. <laughs> yeah, I won't yeah. let Karen distract me again in the future. I will try my best to remember. That's good. That's it. <laughs> uh, you better not say it while you're in, I don't know, work. <laughs> Around. I have no, an actual I'm Sorry about Karen. not doing the homework. Uh, fucking Karen. <laughs> Karen. I thought you were going out with Jen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that, that's probably one of my favorite tools. Yeah. <laughs> Those are really so that's the list. That's the exhaustive list that you guys use. Oh, we have so many other ones. Uh, but it, to 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 talk about the other ones would, would take probably too long. No, no, um, I'm not yeah, take the the the, the Colonel's secret recipe. But um, also, <laughs> yeah, okay. So 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 that's one side of it. And then the other side is how do you how do you do the whole inner kindness thing if you're already in a like you can do it when you're single really easily you just go and travel and then you just spend time alone but what if you're already in a relationship i feel like this this coronavirus has uh, has been a blessing and a curse for a lot of people i think the curse is if they already had a rocky relationship the chances are that it's better now is very slim mm -hmm. how do you how do you manage you know being already with someone and wanting to 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 be this kind of person for them mm. it's a great question um to practice self-kindness um there is a few different things one is acknowledging the self-critic and, and i think that's the toughest one the if, if we vocalized the shit we tell ourselves on a daily basis our our, our inner critic told ourselves you know, all the like, oh, like, you know, we'll, we'll go through something and we'll like look in the mirror and we'll be like, oh, like I hate my hair, you know, I will like do something, we make a mistake and it's like, oh, I'm so fucking stupid. Like the kind of stuff we say to ourselves sometimes with the inner critic, um, that is probably where I would say the most important one is every single time the inner critic comes up, just tell the inner critic to sit down, just, just tell her to shut up, 
you know, tell, 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 tell that inner critic, shut up, sit down and then say something nice about yourself. Like get into the habit of saying something nice about yourself. And, you know, we talk a lot about self-care, but it's, it really is such an important practice is practicing a little compassion, forgiving yourself when you make a mistake throughout life, accepting that you're not going to be perfect, accepting that you're not always going to do everything right because you're a human being. And when it comes up, forgiving yourself and being like, yes, I made a mistake today and I'm okay with it. I'm going to, I'm going to let myself off the hook for this one. Um, I think that is probably the most important form of self-care because it plays out in everything else. Because when we feel that same sense of inner critic and our ego gets bruised, that's when we lash out at other people. Right. Yeah. That's where we go to judgment. That's where we go to comparison. That's where we go to blame, you know, because we, we are uncomfortable with that. So yeah. self-forgiveness, self-compassion, self-kindness. Got it. Got it. Now that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it really is just such a mixed pie of uh, approaches and kind of ways of looking at you know your life and who you are as a person all of the things we discussed today are legitimate things that people can you know look into to try to improve their situation their life their project their trajectory um i like your uh Instagram account. I like mm. the kind of message you pump out there. No, I mean, it's so valuable. I share your stuff a lot in my stories. Uh, and um, do you still do that a lot? Are you still really pushing with that? Is that something that you're... Yeah, I, I still post content here and there. And I'm, I'm, I have uh, everyone, you know, I do a couple of different things. One is to just post quotes, just remind ourselves of the same messages. I think like exposure is such a big thing. Um, a big thing I have is what do I look at first thing in the morning? What do I think about first thing in the morning? Because that sets a tone. So I spread the kind of message I want to think about first thing in the morning. I call it personally within my, my brand is I call myself the heart and hustle, right? It's, it's a combination of both. It's kindness is about heart, but it's also about work. And so there's that. And I also post little mini guides. Like they're like, you know, like six to 10 page mini guides of like how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with fear, how to deal with, you know, how to help actually connect with other people that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can still find uh, videos, uh, stories and stuff like that. It gets updated every once in a while. Um, actually pretty regularly. Uh, I usually put up something every single day. Um, where is that? John Wang uh, official? Is that yeah, that's right. So you just uh, go to Instagram uh, at John Wang official, J-O-H-N-W-A-N-G-O-F-F-I-C-I-L. Yeah, drawing yeah. official. There's a lot of drawings out there. So. <laughs> there are. Yeah, you took a bit of a hiatus recently. I was trying to I, have a, I was like, yeah. I need to organize. I need to get this guy on Unleash Love. And I was like, looking for you. You weren't anywhere. And I was like, does this guy block me? <laughs> never never i was uh I, I i every once in a while i do a social media cleanse where i just disconnect for a little while i i find that it's really helpful help me get my back in myself um you know we were talking about the problem with social dilemmas that it really does create this kind of a, a negative cycle so i i take time off every once in a while and i come back yeah <laughs> someone sure. and, and just just up the off offhanded kind of comment on that someone mm -hmm. contacted me re recently that i i i was looking into with interest to have a potential relationship and she's having relationship problems because she got into a relationship that's why it never went anywhere mm -hmm. so i was like okay cool and uh and 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 she had started talking to me about issues she was having with her new partner yeah. and it got to the point where and nothing you know 
nothing dishonest ever happened from her side. Um, but I think it got to the point where I was like, you know, really need to stop talking about this and you need to focus on that because I find you attractive and I don't think it's healthy for me or for you knowing that we both had that thing before. Um, and I'm not saying any names, but I, I, I just realized at that point that in the past, I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it and I probably would have just carried on. But I think it, it really does go to show that I'm thinking a lot more about re repercussions and um, one of the pieces of advice I did give her, and this is a whole different subject, by the way, so let's not get too far down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that she was having a problem with, and again, no names, but mm -hmm. her partner was watching porn mm -hmm. while they were in a relationship. Now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't do that kind of thing, but mm -hmm. I feel like I can understand why people do. But my advice for her was, you both need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing it, get it out of your system. It's, it's not healthy. There's repercussions of that, you know, psychologically. It's, it's, affecting, mm -hmm. it's affecting the sexual attraction between you guys. So um, I, I don't know. It, it, it is a totally different episode. That's, a, that's opened a whole kind of worms there. <laughs> I think we should leave it here. That that's I mean I would love to to dive deeper into it. I think it's it's like I don't have any moral issues um uh, about watching or, or or looking at porn. I have a lot of moral issues about the industry, but mm -hmm. I do have emotional concerns if there's an addiction level to it because it's an unrealistic depiction of it and it conditions your brain to for for wirings that really are quite detrimental to to your relationships. Um. Right, and I think coming from to answer that, that's, I think that advice that you gave is is a great, is a very very good start. It's what I would suggest, I would say, look at two things. One, is she uncomfortable with it because she has a moralistic issue with it, or is she having an issue with it because she feels being compared to negatively? Is is it like she feels insecure? How comes from it? Um, and then the third thing is actually, yeah, having a conversation and being like, look, this is what I want to check in on. If you're watching porn, you know. Is there anything in our sexual life that is not fulfilling? And, and the answer might just be, no, I just want to blow off some steam. And this is by far the easiest and quickest way to go to it. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, but the deeper issue is, is whether or not there's transparency and connectivity in the relationship. Because if she feels uncomfortable with it and he is doing it in spite of it, that is where the real root of the issue could be found, right? Mm. So I think I agree with your general assessment. It's like, I would say stop first have that conversation have and figure conversation. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. I mean, it's it's odd. It's an odd experience to see people going back and forth on something without really ever saying how they feel about it. It's a very weird experience. And it's generally end up nice. Dude, really great conversation. <laughs> One of the best ones I've had, definitely. It's so much value.